to the T-Hud Popcast. I'm Moby. And I'm Leland Steele. A little a little delayed there on the I'm Leland Steele. I don't know, uh, you know, if you're just, you know, if you just got water pipes busting all around your house, Leland, <laughs> or what could slow you down today? I needed to uh, still collect myself after having to deal with, uh, with the plumber this afternoon. Leak from upstairs, so, you know, I am missing half a ceiling in my bathroom right now, so. Yes, and I, I see my Admiral Nicholas Cage shower curtain has been replaced. I wasn't prepared <laughs> yeah. for that. I was replaced when Emma moved in. <laughs> oh, no! She's like, I like Nicholas Cage as much as the next person, but like, I don't need him looking at me in the middle of the night when I go to take a leak. <laughs> <laughs> I am the next person, okay? So she obviously does not like him enough, but whatever. That's okay. I'll slit her brake lines later Um, when she's driving. Those are my brake lines. Well, <laughs> two for one, baby. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> it's my podcast now. But uh, we digress. Uh, listener, uh, worst kept secret since I posted on this on the Facebook, which gets approximately two views per month. We are being joined by a special guest today or else we, we'd like to be because, you know, we have a heart around Christmas and a certain friend of ours is roasting in hell 360 odd days per year. It's nice shortly, you know, in this time of giving shortly before the day of our Lord to summon a certain friend uh, to, to review the year, go over all our different media and the stuff that we discuss on the show. And how do you feel about that, Leland? Are you up for a little seance here? Always. I like the dark arts. All right. Well, let's... Uh, Let's see if we can say on Santa a friend. I mean, we never we never planned this. Well, okay, but we can summon him because we're like gods of the podcasting universe. Okay. All right. Well, on that enthusiastic note <laughs> to summon a friend. <laughs> uh, seance, welcome to our friend. Marty got run over by a reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm marty hey you know, I, marty. I was just gonna let it keep going you like you guys seance me in like five minutes ago what you know, well you invoked my name before we even started recording and it just i've been sitting here uh, waiting i did say it three times in the mirror <laughs> ghost marty ghost marty ghost marty <gasps> he appears behind you <laughs> <laughs> you should have revealed yourself because that was the most awkward, least enthusiastic welcome to you we've ever done. You look up in the mirror and there's a guy doing a front double bicep pose behind you. <laughs> bloody Martin, bloody Martin, three times, bloody Martin, he'll disappear. <laughs> well, it's, it's good to be back, boys. The end of the year, the usual, the the five hour episode we typically do where we all uh, jerk off about video games we played in the last year. And this time Leland actually played some games. So he did. I played all the games this year. Yeah. Leland did play a lot. Yeah. Oh, did you play uh, Zelda uh, Tears of the Kingdom? Most I did not play the most disappointed pointing game of 2023. No, I did not Thank play God. Tears of the Kingdom. That's been like number one. I've been looking up lists of like the the worst bombs for 2023. Tears of the Kingdom is number one on like at least five of them that I looked. So mm. I think I'm going to skip that one. And besides, I didn't even win any awards at the Game Game of the Year Awards, uh, which we all know is incredibly prestigious. And it actually not did just win an award. One entire commercial. No, no, it, it didn't win anything. Fake news, Leland. Fake news. 
<laughs> what actually? What did it actually win? I can't remember, but the the guy, the Nintendo people were up there accepting an award. I think it was for best like adventure game, maybe. It's hard because the game awards were ninety percent commercials, so you kind of had to it's figure out what part of the show was. It's it's ninety it's ninety percent. Yeah, I mean it's ninety percent game trailers, which I guess makes sense. But then it's ten percent Hideo Kojima on stage talking about whatever the fuck he wants to <laughs> talk about. Legitimately ten percent. <laughs> his, his next canceled project. That's how I saw some people say because he comes out, does his spiel, and do we ever really see much from Hideo Kojima anymore? This time, though, it's actually his own studio making it, so I have a feeling he'll actually release whatever this is. I'm sure it'll be interesting. He's a very innovative creator, but he had nothing to show. So it was just pointless. It was just some, like, yeah. actor caption, like, rendered actors. Yeah, it was nothing. I mean, it's interesting that he's teaming up with Jordan Peele. Yeah, and apparently some other horror directors. Okay. The Avengers of Horror Directors, apparently. Hmm. Ooh. Who could that be? Wow. That's going to be way Sam, too many Sam Raimi? Actually, that's oh. not a bad poll. That's not a bad poll. No, it'll be it'll be um, the guy that did Saw. It'll be, uh, which I think are the same guys behind the, what's what are those movies with Patrick Wilson? The Conjuring? Conjuring. Oh, the, James Wan? Yeah, James yeah, yeah Wan, it'll be James Wan. Yeah, yeah, James Wan for sure. Like, has to, right? Yeah. Yeah, he he he'd totally be a good person involved in that. Maybe the guy who did Hereditary. What's that guy's name? Hereditary. I maybe I need to watch it again. I don't know. It didn't blow me away. Directed and written by Ari Ari Aster. Right, right. But Midsummer was cool. I like that. He's got another movie that came out either this year or last year, and it's got um, Phoenix in it. Uh, Bo is afraid. Bo is afraid. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I've heard weird things like people like, like it's not what you think it is, and that did actually come out this year. Ah, okay. Yeah, apparently, cool. it took a lot of people by surprise, and it was like way more demented than it looks like at surface value. Ooh, I like that. Me too. <laughs> Chaos reigns. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> hey, Lars von Trier, he's got to be in the horror movie Avengers. <laughs> Yeah, okay, maybe for, like, Nymphomaniac 1 and 2. That's another good movie, Moby. You'd like that. I've seen one of his movies. Melancholia. Melancholia, that's With Kirsten Dunst, yeah. Yeah, and it was it was good. It was interesting. I thought it was a, a, a cool idea for a movie, just seeing how people would react in, like, an extraordinary situation. You know, of course, it was artistic. It had to do with depression and stuff like that as well. But, I mean, just people faced with, like an absolute destructive inevitability. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. I mean, I guess since we're kind of in the banter segment just naturally, which is what we do when all three of us are together, I really came with one thing in particular. I was wondering, like, you guys are my friends, but I don't know if you like Doom. Are you sure about that? No, because I'm behind in my payments to each of you that keep you speaking to me. <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm in arrears. It's it's hard times. It's a hard economy. We're heading into a recession here, boys. I mean, for some, arrears is payment. I'm into arrears, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Marty. I missed your 1996 humor. Anyways, Dune. Are you boys, uh, have you boys <laughs> so, seen Dune Part 1? <laughs> so borderline inappropriate and starring Jim Carrey? Is that what you mean? <laughs> Somebody stop me. <laughs> 
Smoking. <laughs> now I can't unsee Marty in a yellow suit flexing, <laughs> breaking the suit, splitting the suit on the arms as he randomly. Well, he, I mean, he literally Marty would literally be when the bad guy gets the mask and he's like a, a beefcake when he right when the <laughs> yeah. when the bad gangster yeah. guy puts the mask on. <laughs> oh, this writes itself. Man, that was a great movie. That was a great movie. It was a lot of fun. I uh, I rewatched um, Truman Show recently and it's so good. Just every time I get into it. So good. Uh, but yeah, boys, um, Dune. Uh, really excited for Dune 2. Probably something I'm top three movies I'm looking for, forward to next year. Have you guys, either of you seen Dune Part 1? Yep. Yes, I've seen Part 1. What were your thoughts? Like, meh, good, didn't like it. So I, I had no interest in seeing it again, which I think is very similar to my experience with Blade Runner 2049. And, but I also enjoyed the experience. So as for like an entertaining theater movie, big spectacle, really impressive film, cool. But it also felt like half a film, obviously, because it's half the book. Um, so in some ways, it's just been such a long wait for part two. That's uh, my, I guess, interest has definitely waned. If part two had been like six months later, which I think would have been much smarter, just film them back to back, then I think that would have been much more exciting. Um, but yeah, I'll see it. I'm sure. I'm just not sure if I'll be super stoked to see it in theaters like I was the first one. No, that's that's fair enough. Uh, Leland, what about yourself? I enjoyed it. I I'm also not like, you know, chomping at the bit for part two. I'm thinking... Uh, what I, what I would like to do is just watch both parts nearly back to back, and I think that will mm. elevate the first one. I'm sure that it will. When we get when when consumers get the chance to do that, and I think like like Marty said, it obviously it was half of a story that we saw, right? And I, I'm thinking, and the the you know other large, and it was kind of a it was well, it was they tried to make it as large an event of a movie as possible, but. Obviously, like the the Dune novels have a ridiculous fan base, right? Like, and, and like a hardcore fan base, right? And I don't, I don't remember seeing like too much about that kind of fan base being outspoken negatively or positive, really, about the film. I don't know. It just seems to me like it kind of was just like a middling film, which isn't good, isn't bad. Um, maybe better in some area, be, you know, better overall than it would be worse overall, kind of thing. So I don't know. Part, I, yeah, I want, I'm going to watch part two, of course, because it's literally half of you're, you're, we've already seen half of a story. You kind of have to watch the rest of it. Yeah, I, I you know, I think what happened for myself and Joe when we saw it, we both were like, OK, this is like half a movie. Like it's clearly truncated. And I think we both said, OK, well, we enjoyed what we saw. We enjoyed our time in theaters, but we do really need at least Dune part two to to judge it. So. You're you're thinking what we're thinking. I mean, I guess if it uh, if it's not good, we always have Wonka starring Timothy Chalamet. That's already yeah. out. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to stupid. Trying to pathetically throw that out there. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. Yeah, I don't understand the the point of that film existing. It's about as pointless as Tim Timothy Chalamet presenting the Game of the Year award at the VGAs. It's like, why is he here? Why is this the happening? Best, the best part of that is they introduced him as his like 
tag from when he was a YouTube person or something. Oh, like yeah. His, it, really? His ident- idea is that. Yeah. And everyone was, it was super quiet because they're like, who the hell is Ooh. this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. I didn't know that until after that show. Apparently, he used to do like modifications to Xbox equipment like way back in the day okay. on YouTube. So that makes a lot more sense as to why he was involved at all <laughs> that's yeah. some kind of needed context for myself that i i was just really really confused <laughs> this is what i wanted to talk about for banter anyways yeah go ahead I'm was not. the game awards okay great okay honestly i kind of fucking hated them <laughs> like was, the more I, it was painful. the more i think about it painful. it was just me waiting for the alan wake uh musical and that was that was fucking awesome which was great but it's like it was like three hours to get to sam lake dancing on stage that's all i wanted and then when he gets (laughs) to accept one of his two awards they gave him like five seconds to talk yeah you know yes both him and sven from uh larian it's like two of the most like innovative guys in game development today and they gave them 30 fucking seconds but we get 10 minutes of hideo kojima commercial and all these actors on stage all these fucking actors on stage talking about how they used to play fucking Pong when they were like five years old and they're like, I'm a gamer <laughs> yeah. too. It's like, bro, you haven't played a game since Mario Kart like 64 and now you're up here bragging about your game cred. It's No one cares. It's it's honestly, it's like offensive and disgusting. I read somewhere that people, I forget where I read it. I don't want to take credit for it, but the, the way they were talking about the, the game awards, it's almost like they were of kind of like embarrassed to be the game awards like they're just like oh yeah we're the game awards like the tgas but also uh here's like a bunch of movie actors like like it was all about that it wasn't about like gaming and you know there was commercials but they they showed they tell you almost nothing you know it's clearly just bought and paid for like bethesda had a fucking commercial for starfield starfield's out so dumb they just put it in there to be like hey like it was even kind of funny it was like okay hey congrats to all the people who won awards this year and like the unsaid thing is we didn't get nominated for fucking anything (laughs) (laughs) yeah they got like a throwaway nomination for best rpg or whatever that was the only thing they were nominated for i think yes yeah which is probably because only like four rpgs came out in the year so then you know they're like well it's either this or some uh like gotcha game from korea or something so you know we're gonna just give it to starfield for the nom uh, yeah, really, really bad overall. Honestly, uh, I kind of sat there just annoyed the whole time. They had a giveaway to win Steam decks and like the Lenovo gamepad. the The website broke immediately, so it was like a five hour wait to get in to like put your name in. But you're supposed to put your name in while you're watching the game awards. So how does that work? Right. I don't know. So- <laughs> Well, Marty, to back you up on that, I mean, the few moments of the show that organically could have been great, like Neil Newbon's speech, you know, very heartfelt. And then they just cut him off. Like, like they know they're having a moment. The producers have to know this is like cinematic gold. He's like the biggest character in the in the last year. Like, okay, everyone loves Mysterion, right? So it's like, okay, to have him give him get of all the people, give him three minutes. Like, clearly he's not going to take eight minutes. But, you know, for all for all the complaints, you have the the same guy and, and like the, the, you know, the actor played Kratos who comes on Judge. and does jokes, yeah. Christopher Judge. And like it was funny. But at the same time, it's like now we're giving more time to Christopher Judge. 
when we could be giving it to the fucking winners this year. Well, and like, and when he won for Kratos, he had like a ten minute speech that they let. Yes. Him. And did you all see the fallout about his little joke about his speech and his speech being longer than a, a Call of Duty main uh, campaign <laughs> or some? Oh, oh well, I didn't see that. <laughs> oh, that people were so pissed. Funny. The COD fanboys were fucking pissed about it. Yeah, so. you didn't see that joke, Moby? No, I didn't. When he, when he came out, he said that his speech last year was longer than this year's COD campaign. Oh, and, <laughs> like, that was actually legitimately good. So, like, it's, it started strong, but it got just bogged down. I thought even the game trailers were kind of disappointing. Like, there was no cool, like, huge reveals other than maybe the Blade reveal, which I thought could be really good considering, um, like, that's from a pretty awesome studio. Like, they make, uh, like, Deathloop and um, Dishonored. Uh, so, like, that... That could be phenomenal, but you know that's very early, <laughs> like very early. They don't have any gameplay. That's the impression I got with a lot of the, those trailers. Is like none of these are like like how many of those games we just saw trailers for are actually going to come out in twenty twenty four? Not many. Point. Most of them look like twenty twenty five, or it was something coming out to like during the awards. It was like a commercial for we're we're shadow dropping this. And the the other thing that struck me about it, and plenty of people online have said the same thing. That there was clearly a tier of categories um, that they were giving awards for, because the vast majority of the cat of the, the the categories just had fucking Jeff, the host, reading them off and saying congratulations. Like no nobody's coming up on stage or anything like that, right? Like it's just like it's so fucking patently obvious that th- the whole thing is just to get the ad money. Like it's not it's it's yeah. it's it's exactly yeah. what Jeff has always said for a decade of doing this thing that he did not want the show to become. It's so it's just a farce of itself. It's so it ridiculous. Is. I agree. It, it it's it absolutely is because it's so overproduced as well trying to be the Oscars, like trying to look exactly like it. But even though I think the Oscars are horrible and have been for the better part of a decade, this is worse because even in the Oscars, if you win like best set direction or something like that, best screenplay, you still get to come out and speak. Do you get as long as like best picture and best actors? No, but you get some time. And I noticed that right away when I was watching the game show, I'm like, wait, don't, don't these people like actually get to go out and say something. And for most of them, they didn't. Do they even get sent a trophy? <laughs> <laughs> I literally lost interest because of so many commercials. And I know we've said that already on this podcast several times, but it's like it was a tension breaking because I'd pick up my Nintendo Switch or my cell phone to just look up something that's not a commercial. And I just lost interest in the show. It's inter- so so I mean, uh, they were live streaming it to YouTube. Was it? Was it also viewable on like a cable network? You know, like all like the old Spike TV days. Like, was it also available there, or was it strictly being streamed on YouTube, and that was the only place for you to watch it? Like, I, I don't I don't know how it even works anymore. Honestly, I haven't watched a fucking video game more in, awards in years. I only saw it on YouTube. It just randomly came up, and I'm like, okay, I'll watch these. Uh, Marty, I don't know if you know if it was on TV or anything. I'm not sure. I, I, as far as I know, it's just streamed, but, um, I mean, it kind of feels like it must be on some network. I, yeah. I mean, I, I guess because where else then does, does the actual time constraint come from? I mean, I think the over, right. the, the final whole award show clocked in at like 
three hours and 37 minutes or something stupid like that, you know, like, so what was their goal? They couldn't have added another 13 minutes on to make it of even four hours. Like what's the, what's the purpose? Who cares? Like what's the fucking downside of it? Like, that's like, a very, it that's matter. important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless they have matter. a hard out in the arena, like, Hey, get out at nine o'clock. Uh, Britney Spears is playing like <laughs> otherwise, like it doesn't make any sense. Like yeah, Taylor Swift's <laughs> coming in. Get the fuck out. Red Riddler <laughs> sirens going off. Swift I am sure Swift they would hold the VGAs in a similar venue that would house a Taylor Swift concert as far as <laughs> number of seats they're selling. <laughs> I honestly felt bad for all those people. Every one of those people that had to sit in there throughout that whole thing, throughout that whole show. I was at least watching it and playing video games. I tr- I trust Taylor Swift's opinion on video games over Timothy Chalamet. I would have been much happier for her to come out. Well, she would have looked a lot better coming out on stage. I can fucking guarantee you that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and what if they introduced her as her gamer tag and it was like D's nuts 47. <laughs> <laughs> Sucks, suck Kelsey, Kelsey 69. No, that's horrible. <laughs> Moby, uh, with your 1996 humor. Wow. Yes. Thank you, Marty. That's so true. Somebody stop him. <laughs> ASL? Please. <laughs> Boot up your MSN Messenger. Let's have it out over there. <laughs> oh, MSN Messenger. My God. Uh, yeah, please, somebody stop him. I'm just going to swat Moby during during the recording <laughs> of this. <laughs> you still have a MySpace, Marty. I know where it is. I can just Yeah, it. I do. You're not in my top eight <laughs> friends anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> Haven't been for years. <laughs> I've been replaced by listener Joel. <laughs> okay. My banter is also video game related. Um, but have each of you heard of the terrible... Uh, the legitimate scam of the day before. I have, yes. No, no. Give me some education. A very recent title. And I remember being like visiting Emma in the Netherlands, like Feb of this year and watching a bunch of YouTube videos about people saying there's something going on with this thing. This has got to be a scam. They keep pushing back release dates. Every subsequent gameplay quote-unquote gameplay video we see is downgraded from what they originally showed us that they told us was supposed to be gameplay this this game is is the whole time it was touted as this zombie survival mmo essentially it finally released on steam and i think it was within like a day or less than 48 hours it became the third most uh or the third lowest rated game on steam in like Whoa. almost immediately it came out as an extraction shooter with basically no actual zombies in it terrible performance nothing that you know half of the features that were actually advertised the company the developer uh fantastic and then there's a it's like fantastic studios or something and then there's a subsequent search with an m i forget what his name is uh, essentially fantastic now they say they have to go out of business because they took they lost so much on on this game and then, oh man, what's, I don't know the exact timeline, but it was like last week, I think, as of recording this, beginning of December, they had put out this statement saying, well, unfortunately, we had, we're, we're, we're bankrupt. Any, any money that we're, we actually got from this game is going to pay you know, the debts that we owe, et cetera. And then there was like something saying, they put another release saying, you know what? We're going to make it work. Expect December 14th, a brand new patch with a bunch of new stuff coming out. Of course, that didn't happen. A lot of the, on their YouTube channel, this company's YouTube channel, 
all of the old, you know, again, the fake gameplay trailer videos, allegedly fake game trade videos and shit, have, were completely removed from their YouTube channel. They, they try to scrub everything in the last two years that they put out about this. A, I, think they, I think the person was Taiwanese, uh, but some um, games journalist tried to visit their headquarters, Fantastic's headquarters, found that it was um, like it didn't exist, that there was an address there, but it wasn't, it never housed any of their employees. There was never a single bit of physical work that ever went, was done in that registered location that they had. People were saying that it, it was registered specifically, I think it was in Taiwan. So they could they they accepted a bunch of grants from the government when they were you know quote unquote developing their video games. So they've scammed this government of a bunch of money as well. <laughs> One of the videos of like a dev blog or something was it was found out that the actual video, the backdrop of the video, was just shot in some hotel lobby and not like their headquarters. <laughs> like it's just Whoa. it's insane. And and like nearly immediately Steam pulled it from even be being purchase purchasable on on their platform. So <laughs> it's crazy. It's nuts. Like this when you I just I just love when you think of like this is the this is what you would think of and and you know a detail of a scam like this is a hundred percent yeah a scam where they claim they've been de- developing this thing and putting effort into this thing for the bulk of five years and their final product is something that you know uh was put de- clearly put together in less than two the majority of their assets people are found were were purchased for you know three or four hundred dollars as asset packs and just flipped and you know no no actual like development work de- like it's 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 pretty crazy it's pretty crazy Unfortunately, there's a long track record of video game scams. And I mean, we've discussed it on the podcast, uh, as you put it, I think last month ad nauseum. But it's like, you know, you it's pretty easy to scam with a video game on these, uh, whether it's early access or, um, you know, these uh, Kickstarter style style sites, uh, because you really just kind of have to put a few assets out there, maybe a short clip, something, get people excited. You can make a ton of money without actually making anything. And unfortunately it's happened a lot. And you know, I even think games that are abandoned in early access, to me, that's a scam. To me, once you're selling something in early access, there should be a commitment to complete the game as initially designed. Um, but unfortunately a lot of places get tons of money and then they just cash out or, you know, like in this case, I'm sure they earned a bunch of money from the day one release before all the bad reviews came in. Uh, mind you, doesn't Steam have a thing where you can refund within 24, 48 hours? Yeah, and I, and I believe Steam itself was issuing mass refunds to people even outside of that that window. So Now, YouTube has suggested, I haven't watched it yet, but I watch a lot of content creators who talk about pop culture and video games and where things go wrong. Was this game promoted by a bunch of influencers perchance in the video game industry or no i i believe the initial so the initial gameplay footage um came out in 2021 and yeah because it, it looked cool it looked very interesting um the the footage looked very polished too so yeah definitely uh i've seen i saw a number of at the time people saying hey check out this cool new survival mmo game hopefully coming out soon it looks really interesting and basing that on the lie that fantastic was selling so 
I've heard that they were stealing a lot from other companies even early on. So apparently there was a lot stolen from um, not um, blanking on it. It's a Ubisoft Ubisoft title. Um, Essentially, they would take promotional material for from a video game and just swap in their own character assets right. and, and basically mirror ah. the image. Like even uh, okay. if you look, yeah. if you go and find it on Steam, even now the the game's like profile pic or whatever on the Steam page is like half of a face and then the title in white text next to it. Like you would like if you look at The Last of Us, it's like seeing like Joel's face. The same, the same complete art style. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I was thinking of um, not Divinity, um, the Division. division. Uh, yeah, the Division. Yeah. Apparently, like a lot was stolen from them. Yeah, there's some good YouTube videos of that just puts everything side by side. And it's like a dozen plus sources over the, the you know, the two years or whatever that they've been trying to sell you this product. Like it's it's pretty it's pretty nuts. It's pretty nuts. There's just a lot of in general in this whole space, just a lot of copycat shit. Um, and it's great now because I think some of that's actually coming to light a lot more. You know, there seems to be a lot more like scrutiny happening. Uh, to be like, no, this is unacceptable. <laughs> and and that's good. I mean, I'm glad that like this only lasted a couple days. But man, it sucks if you put money into this, especially early on. Well, apparently, I was just looking at uh, in some article here. And apparently, the way Steam works is when you're selling a game, you get paid out like at the end of every 30-day period. So uh, they, Fantastic, actually would not have received any funds from Steam yet. Uh, which I guess is allowing Steam to just mass refund everybody because those those funds have not been transferred to the the uh, game developer. That's yet. interesting. That makes a lot of sense as to how Steam then gives away those or uh, refunds people. Right. Yeah. Totally. Because otherwise, that would uh, then you would have to assume that comes out of Steam's pocket as an additional transaction rather than the reversal or the stoppage of a future transaction that makes, that does exactly. make a lot of sense. But I mean, think of like, uh, you know, when the GTA six trailer dropped and that first opening still that color palette and the style that like, did you, did you all see how much that was copied after like in the next week of its release, like game after game after game had the same adopting the same visual style that just piggybacking onto like, this I hype. think that was very deliberate and very obvious in a way to, to be like, Hey, we're also coming yeah. out, you know, yeah. to like kind of jump onto that zeitgeist a little yep. bit. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, anyone else have any other banter? Should we jump into our giant end of year hybrid segment? That's it for me. Cause you're probably get going. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, uh, listener, as we said, uh, we're basically going to kind of do one giant hybrid segment going over everything. I'm sure we're all most excited for video games, so we'll do that in the middle. Um, but let's just start out with what was a weird fucking year for TV and movies with the strikes and Barbenheimer and, you know, just it, I, I think it was one of the weirdest years for movies and TV that I can remember. I don't know what you guys feel. Yeah, like movie wise, it felt like a very weak year to me. I, I, I don't really now. I don't know if this is just because I'm totally over superhero films and like there's just not the hype train there was five years ago. And that's yeah. slowly, ever so slowly. And now it's gaining speed, diminishing every year to the point where. I'm just not really sure what I'm excited for film wise and the stuff I am excited for. I'm very okay with waiting until it's on TV and I just watch it at home and I rent it. Uh, the, the drive to go to the theater is low. 
but Barbenheimer was a cool thing that happened in the summer. And it, that was exciting to go to this, the theater again for a lot of people. You know, I never saw Barbie in theaters. I saw it at home. But we, we saw Oppenheimer together. We did. In in the uh, one of 30 IMAX theaters showing the, the IMAX reels in the world, which is kind of fucking cool. It was cool. You know, and that was a cool experience, even though we were both somewhat underwhelmed at the end. I feel like overall, like when, of all the things we talked, we were going to talk about today. That was the one. This was the one I struggled with the most was trying to come up with what films I saw and which ones actually, you know, stood out of the pack. Because there was just a lot where I, at the end of the movies, I was kind of like, well, that was a movie. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I was entertained, but then it, it didn't stick with me. You know, nothing. Not There's no meat on my bones from these films this year. There's a few. You know, there are some exceptions, but for the most part, mildly disappointed, to say the least. Yes. From my perspective, I mean, I only saw two movies in theaters. One was Oppenheimer with you, Ghost Marty. One was uh, Dungeons and Dragons with Leland, uh, which we we reviewed on the podcast. And and I was happy with Dungeons and Dragons. Um, That slightly was above expectations for me. But... Yeah, like as far as my life, certainly my adult life where I can go to movies whenever I want, um, it was the worst year, like bar none. For films, I've I've literally got almost nothing else. I did a few days ago watch um, A Christmas Story Christmas, which is a 2022 release, um, but it has a lot of characters from the 1986 A Christmas Story that met my expectations, which were like, well, the whole cast is together, so I hope it's good. It was good. But still, that's a, you know, that's a 2022 holiday release. And um, yeah, for this year was Oppenheimer, which, uh, you know, unfortunately had a poor third act, went way too long and in a direction I didn't find enjoyable. And then Dungeons and Dragons, which was slightly above average, but that was it. Yeah, and I, I also, I too, only saw a couple movies in theaters. Again, yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, which you had to remind me of what's this year before we started recording. And I saw Barbie and those were the only two things I went to see theaters. I have yet to see across the spider verse. I don't know what, I don't know. I just didn't make it out to theaters to see it. This is my main problem. Isn't necessarily the offerings in any given year, as far as going to a theater. It's just like the act of going to a theater. I'm just, again, I, I don't know how many times I need to, to tell this to you listener i'm just kind of over it and i'm not like super excited to do it um so i just don't do it and i just rely on seeing things two months later on a streaming service right like it's it's like whatever but i actually did just recently i rented saw x so that's the that's the newest film i saw and it is disgusting (laughs) it's it's okay it's been a while since I've seen any of these Saw films, and I actually rewatched Spiral a couple, a few months ago, um, just kind of on a whim, which is more of a departure from the actual like John Kramer, you know, story or or plot through a, a through through point of the Saw franchise, but it's tight. It's you know from the book of Saw, which is a failed spinoff attempt that they really wanted to do as far as not having to tell a John Kramer story, but tell a story in John Kramer's universe and not have to shoehorn connections, which I think they did a good job with Spiral. But Saw 10 was very, I, 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 didn't, I don't remember <laughs> this franchise being as 
gory as this one was. Maybe I'm getting a soft in my old age or something. I don't know. But like, it was like pretty hard to watch at a lot of moments. <laughs> was it enjoyable or was like the gore literally enough that you enjoyed the film less because of that amount of gore? I don't, I think, I think, yeah, I think it's on the side of me enjoying it less because of it. Like, I don't know. I mean, I expected it to be pretty brutal. I mean, it's a soft film. There's traps. They have to mutilate themselves to get out, hope to get out alive in various ways. <laughs> but so, so this movie takes place between, I think it's between Saw 2 and Saw 3. So that's how John Kramer is in it because John Kramer has been dead since Saw 3. So. I guess this is a morbid question, but it is a explicit podcast. I mean, can you give an example of a scene you felt the gore set you off a little bit? Um, watching a lady saw her own leg off with, um, what's the saw called? It's like a, uh, I don't know what they call it, in the, but it basically it's like a grot wire. This, this tool, this oh. saw tool. She had to saw her own leg off and then suck out some bone marrow to turn off a circuit. So to prevent her head from being cut off by an electric saw. <laughs> like it was fun. Wow. <laughs> That's the first that trap. And it's fucked. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was wow. okay. pretty gory, pretty gory, but I've heard that it's not even the most gory saw movie. So honestly, I think I'm just like losing my horror movie edge or something stupid. You know, though, I've never really gotten into any of the real, like, gory horror movies like that's never been my jam like like the ones that are funny gory like that's yes awesome like you know when it's so over the top that it's just hilarious but even like you can compare it in video games there's video games where the gore is funny and there's video games where the gore is horrific and it's like off-putting um and even like as i'm getting a bit older whenever that happens i also shy away a little bit and it like it kind of sticks with you and it makes you kind of feel queasy and gross uh, yeah, I, I'm in the same boat, Leland. I, I, I don't think I would enjoy Saw 10. I, I, that's part of the reason why I never really, I haven't seen any of them really since the first one. And the first one's, uh, you know, it's an entertaining movie, for the, but for the same premise, like, it's just like, ugh, gross. Like, don't cut your leg off. But, <laughs> but, but it's, <laughs> which is, I'm sure, why they shoehorn that in again. Um, but yeah, of course, these films have to up the ante every time, too, so... <laughs> just get it gets progressively worse yeah i just what fascinates me about the franchise itself is just like the spider web narrative of it because i think it was they lost their like the original writer and directors like halfway through the franchise or whatever so like it changed hands so i don't know if that really impacted like the feel i think all the movies feel like they're part of the same franchise but i think it was either saw five or six Halfway through the movie, you realize that some things you you've saw are not actually happening present day. They are things that happened in the past to where the timeline of that movie is supposed to be set. So like you're, you're and it's all part of like the, you know, Saw's shtick is to have some type of like twist, right? Like from the very first one where Kramer was the dead body in the room with them the entire time stands up and slams the door shut on the one dude still chained inside, right? Like that's, that's the point of those movies is to have this kind of mind blowing twist. And like, I think saw one came out in 2004. Like I remember watching that in high school, like having rented a DVD 
That's a long fucking time. Was that really 2004? I'm pretty yes. sure it was. I'll double check. Wow. Well, that makes sure. sense. Yeah, of course. Like 10. It's going to take a while to get to 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Saw was 2004. Right. Saw 2 was in 2005. Wow. Okay. I'm sorry. I mis- I didn't miss me speak. Saw 10 is between the first and second films, it looks like. Yeah, no, I was going to make, you know, I was going to say like, you know, we're all in our mid to late thirties now. And so it's like for us to have Jigsaw say like, you have a fungus on your big toe. You must apply ointment. And we're like, no, oh, it's like, you know, we're just, we're at need where we're dealing with different things. Other Not than the Neosporin, you monster. Uh, yeah, it's true though. Like more mortality is getting like more and more real. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, it's not funny anymore. Yeah, you start to hear the occasional, even at our age, like friend or family gets sick or something like that or have some sort of scare. And it's like, okay, yeah, we're pretty much middle age or close to it. I was, yeah, I mean, we're at the age where parents start to die off. Like that's just kind of a, that's a very matter of fact that we're just getting to that point in our lives. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think that that, you know, affects things too. I, I would agree with you completely, Ghost Marty. Like my uh, my tastes have kind of changed in a way. And like, like don't get me wrong. I still, and I watched, I think, like two of the final destinations this last year. Those are still as good as ever. Um, <laughs> I love them. But it's like, it, you're right. It has to be that over the top, laugh at it style crazy thing. Ash, Ashley and Ashlyn in their tanning beds. And like yeah. the Rube Goldberg machine that closes it because <laughs> goop and like a bath ball falls down a track, hits a weight, slams a door shut. Moby, have you ever seen Hellraiser? Uh, no, I've not. Really? Is that with like the pinhead guy? Yeah. yeah. I heard that's like extreme gore, even though it's like 30 years old. I think it'd be, you'd probably like the original. You would definitely like the first one. Yeah, 100%. And the second one. Honestly, the second one's not that bad. I actually like the new one too. That yeah. was this year, wasn't it? Did a it? good job. Yeah, I think so. I watched it this year. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll, that, I'll give that, that was a one look. that was uh, grossing my wife out as I watched it, laughing. <laughs> oh, that was twenty. <laughs> that came out in twenty twenty two. So that that isn't a twenty twenty three release, but. I I remember like Pinhead scared me so much at the video stores back in the day, like the original Hellraiser. I didn't see it, but like just seeing him on the cover. It's a pretty creepy premise, like this, like intense pain and pleasure being like the ultimate like desire for someone who's just gone too far in life. And they're just like, well, you know, you've 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 acquired everything. How about we take you right to hell and chop you into pieces? <laughs> well, that, that I mean, that is that is the fucked up thing about the Cenobites. They are our demons. And essentially, they believe that all of that pain and suffering, like you said, Marty, goes you know you push it far enough it becomes pleasure and vice versa so really what they think they're giving you is a gift they think they're giving you everything that anybody could ever want and there's literally no reasoning with them there just isn't and you can't kill them they're demons for christ's sake like you can't do anything against them yeah it is a scary premise like once they have you you're fucked <laughs> oh yeah once they want you you're messed up unless you take some very uh you know you go to some pretty far lengths like <laughs> the guy does in the first one to try to avoid them. <laughs> Watch the original <laughs> one movie. You'd like, you would like. It. Okay. 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 You guys know me. You guys know me. If you yeah, say I like it's it, a good one. It, it's twisted. You'd enjoy it. Well, I was, yeah, I spent some time thinking about this year movie wise. Um, I saw one film you guys probably haven't seen. I saw a movie, a Korean film called past lives. That's getting a lot of like 
uh, Oscar buzz and everyone's kind of getting excited about it. It's very much like a romantic drama film, basically about a woman who has like her first love in Korea and then her family moves to uh, America and she has like a, a husband there and her first love basically um, they have like some contact over the years, but they never quite, you know, get together. Uh, her first love being like eight years old when they first love each other, essentially. Um, but then her first love visits from Korea when they're adults. And it's like this weird, awkward, like uh, thing where like the husband is sort of like between them as they're like clearly soulmates. But she doesn't want to leave her husband to be with this like true love of hers. So it's kind of sad because it's about her making this decision of like, staying with her husband but clearly like she has this thing like they're they they kind of talk about a thing in the film like they're meant to be like together forever so it's about this dilemma like is she supposed to stay with him or or you know get together with the you know the og it's actually a really good film i'd recommend it if you're ever you know with a lady friend and you want to watch something yeah actually that kind of does sound like sometimes i get in the mood for a movie like that obviously i like psychology and you know, human relationships, the human experience. So um, did you rent it? Did you see it on a streaming service or? Uh, yeah, I, I think we just rented it off Google Play or something like that. For TV, that was a little bit of a different story for me because, um, you know, I saw one show that kind of met expectations, which was Ahsoka. I know Leland see that. Marty, I don't think you've you've seen it yet. I haven't seen anything Disney Star Wars since uh, Mandalorian season two. Okay, lucky you. You've you missed a <laughs> lot of mediocre crap. So, um, you know, we we went through Ahsoka on on the show on this podcast. So I'm not going to go too deep into it, though. Um, I forget what it was. Whether it was Rotten Tomatoes or something, it came out that maybe it was even the Emmys, but like the episode that goes back into the Clone Wars with young Ahsoka and Anakin was like rated the second best TV episode all year, specifically that episode. Um, and it was a major, major site or major service that uh, they gave it that honor. And that was only a few days ago. I should have written it down, but you know, I thought that was good. And then this year's biggest discovery, even though it's it's a few years old now, um, I just and I I haven't like listener, the problem with the podcast is often we bring stuff to the podcast that I'm not shutting up about outside of the podcast. And so the expanse is such a show where I basically been, you know, offering sexual favors to Leland just to get him to watch it. And uh it's because I, I love that show. It is just realistic physics in space it's still got space battleships and marines space star marines and gunfights and it's like game of thrones and stuff like that but uh it only takes place a couple hundred years in the future and it's really cool to see how dangerous space is just in general just like loss of air loss of gravity not having food not having water they touch on that stuff so much and uh yeah joe Myself and Joe, he's not a listener, but we're on to the very last two episodes of the whole show. We're going to complete it together this next week. Yeah, it's it's been an awesome ride. And there's still three books left to adapt, a final trilogy. So I really hope one day we get to see that. Ooh, I, I doubt that. <laughs> yeah, 
I've heard it's a good series. I, it, it's it's actually one I started, but um, just for whatever life circumstances, just never really stuck with. Like, I think I watched the first half of the first season um, and it wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. It was entertaining, uh, but it just didn't grip me and make me feel like I wanted to spend time with it. I mean, honestly, it's a big investment watching a, you know, what is it? Five seasons. <laughs> or six six you know? six seasons yeah yeah, yeah it's and, like investment. i don't know t- time is of uh precious value these days <laughs> yes 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 i understand but yeah i mean it put i think why i want to bring it up is you know i put it it puts in perspective how poor of a year 2023 was for like film and tv the fact that the thing i'm most jacked about is several years old and if that wasn't there i would have only had the Two movies I discussed plus Ahsoka, and that would have been a terrible year. Everything else would be like reruns that I've seen before. So, well, it's funny you say that, Mode, because you know, so I have a list of movies I liked, and they're all from this year, except for The Whale. I think that was last year. You know, like I really liked. Uh, I watched Spider Man. It was great. Uh, I uh, John Wick Four. If you guys haven't seen it, is really good. Yeah, but. I think probably the most like standout just kind of surprise the year was Barbie. You know, there's a reason why everyone really likes it. It was very funny, you know, really sticks with you. I could talk about that more later, but honestly, like you're right. Cause I look at the TV shows and there, I don't think any of them are from this year that I liked. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> the main one I liked was haunting of Hill house. That's like five years old. <laughs> I had never seen it. Did you watch, did you watch the fall of the house of usher? Cause that was really good. I did. I watched that first. And then we were like, let's go back and watch the other nice, ones. Nice. And I liked Fall of the House of Usher too, but I, I kind of, there's parts of it that I, I kind of got sort of tired of. Um, I didn't feel that it had as nearly as much mo- emotional resonance as Haunting of Hill House. And that's partially because all the characters are shitheads in Fall of House of Usher. So you're not really supposed to like them. Exactly. It's like, it's like telling you to root for their demise, right? Because I mean, you you I mean, right away you know their fate. Essentially, you're you're really just being the details of their fate. That's what you're being told, right? You 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 know the final outcome, like you know where it is, and you really have a good idea of what what you know what else is going to come after you've been told those details. There's not like much mystery to it, right? I mean, even like the bit of mystery of like what is the entity that is the big bad entity. It's not, it doesn't matter really. Cause you know, no. effectively what it is, it, whether or not you're told specifically what it is. So this one definitely has the least amount of mystery out of all of Flanagan's work. I feel. So I thought, you know, and having seen this and seen, seeing haunting of Hill house, I've only seen the two. And I, I think I might've seen one of his films, but uh, based on the TV series, one thing I found really fascinating about his shows is it feels like he just takes a, an idea and thinks like, how can I write this in an interesting and challenging way? Like a lot like Fall of the House of Usher is like that, right? It's like, OK, look, we're going to tell them the ending and then we're going to build up to the ending because you kind of know, right? You know, pretty much from like the, the get go. It's just like now we're going to definitely ride the wave of. It doesn't matter. Like the ending doesn't matter. It's about the journey along the way. It's like that's very much how that's supposed to feel. 
but even Haunting of Hill House, it's like there's a lot of structural choices that felt really interesting with, with the way like it, there's a lot of different flashbacks and uh, the timelines. And it's it doesn't beat you over the head with where what is where like you have to actually pay attention. And, and I really like that because in today's day and age, there's so many shows where it's like the temptation is I'll just play on my phone while I watch this because it's just not very engaging which it is probably why I'm not as engaged with this media uh, like this uh, type in general, because it's like, well, if I want to really spend my time with something, I want to be engaged. I want to, I want a controller in my hand, you know, or something, you know, or in years past playing, uh, you know, uh, tabletop games, <laughs> which is going to be an <laughs> interesting discussion later. Um, so yeah, out of like series this year, like those were probably my favorite because they were different. And I was engaged. Um, there's a few other ones I like too, but yeah, definitely, you know, those that I think Mike Flanagan is a really interesting creator. Um, and he's actually going to be doing a, an, an adaption of um, Stephen King's uh, Dark Tower series um, as like a five season TV series, I believe, which could be really great if he, you know, manages to put it all together. The Dark Tower is fucking awesome it seems incredibly hard to adapt. So <laughs> yeah, it's, I know it's funny. It's like five seasons, but there's seven books. I mean, the books definitely get longer the further you get into that dark tower series. But so it's like the first couple of books maybe is one C you know what I mean? Like I wonder how, yes. Well, the first book it could be done in like a TV episode. It's very short. Yeah, well, they tried to fucking do it in one movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah right? um you know so it'll be interesting to see how that how that's done but I, i'm hoping that that comes to fruition because he has the rights he apparently got the rights just because he went to stephen king and was like here's my pitch and stephen king's like yours take him because he liked <laughs> wow. it so much that's but, cool you know to be fair uh if you look at stephen king adaptions they range from great to god awful so who yeah. the fuck knows? I mean, the, yeah, they, they run the gambit, but I mean, people have been adapting his work for 40 years, right? Yes, like, for sure. Yeah. I mean, speaking of Stephen King, I tried to get through the latest Pet Cemetery movie. Not that it's based on anything he actually wrote, right? It's a sequel to the remake of Pet Cemetery based on his There's novel. There's a sequel? There's a, uh, well, it's, sorry, it's a pre, it's meant to be a prequel to Pet Cemetery. It's like, Pet Cemetery with some so it so it stars Judd Crandall and I watched half of it I was bored and I turned it off like I couldn't Pet Cemetery Bloodlines yes that's it that's it oh no I think it's on Netflix I wa I mean I watch half of it and turn it off because it just wasn't engaging me I mean the sad thing about that is the original book is so fucking scary it's very good it's very it's good it's one of his best there, if you if if either of you are into audiobooks there's an audiobook out there with uh. Michael C. Hall does it uh, on Audible, and it's fantastic. Yeah, I like uh, I like audiobooks sometimes. I like to like play video games and have one on. Is there any movies this year that stand out as the worst thing you've seen? <laughs> That's a good question. Because a TV series, you would typically drop out. You'd be like, no. But a movie, you'd be like, all right, I'll try. <laughs> You know, well, actually, to be fair, Leland would finish a TV show <laughs> he hated, but <laughs> yeah, I would not. I would not not. Um, nothing's jumping out, but I have this weird feeling in the back of my head that there was such a movie that I really didn't like. 
That's a great question, Ghost Marty. I'll be prepared for that next year. Um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay tuned for a year. Stay tuned. Yeah. Stay tuned, listener. It's only 365 more days of this bullshit until you get the answer. <laughs> oh, the the other another new movie. I, I watched the newest Indiana Jones. Um, Dial of oh. Destiny. Yes. Okay, so before I watched that, uh, Emma and I watched all of them. And over the span of two days, we watched five Indiana Jones movies. And I have to say, I definitely did not watch these films growing up as a kid. Like, they weren't, like, they weren't from my childhood, right? I, I didn't experience them from my childhood. So I have no, like, nostalgia, nostalgic ties to them, really. Um, honestly, I don't really have any particular love for Harrison Ford in general either. But, man, is Harrison Ford indie through all five films. It's so the same character, even from, you know, uh, uh, our, what's the first one? Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, even from, from Raiders to Dial, like, he's he's Indiana Jones. Like, it's nuts, actually. But I, I have not, I personally, you're getting me excited here. Because, like, the, I could watch this on Disney Plus when we're done recording. Because, like, Old Man Ford has not had good Harrison Ford energy in 15 years. Are you telling me he actually has a high energy level in Dial of Destiny that matches his earlier stuff? Oh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, describe Indiana Jones as high energy. Not, 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 not saying that, like, not trying to put a negative spin on that, but, like, those are not the words I would describe Indiana Jones as, right? Um like I, I I don't know. He just felt like even in Dial, he felt like Indiana Jones to me. Well, okay. So Dial Dial has been slammed in general by critics. So did you find it? Could you rank it on the spot between all of the five movies where Dial fits? Oh, it's definitely uh, okay for me. It goes um, Temple of Doom, Last Crusade, the first one. What was the first one called? Raiders of the Lost. Ark. Raiders. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Sorry. Okay. So. Uh, Temple, Last Crusade, Raiders, Dial, and then like pretty far down, number four, <laughs> Crystal Skulls. Crystal Skull. But I will say on a rewatch, Crystal Skull was not as awful as I remember it being. Like honestly, oh, if you really? consume if you consume them all back to back to back to back to back, like they all feel pretty close, pretty even. Like yes, there are for me like oh man, Temple Doom is just so good. Like. Kalima, like, how do you not? If you don't think Temple of Doom is the best one, I would forgive you if you think it's Last Crusade because of um, because of Sean Connery. Because Sean Connery is awesome in Last Crusade. He's so funny. He plays this fucking the affable like Indy's dad. He's so good. So good. I don't know, man. I thought Dahl wasn't as bad as as I was expecting. Okay, okay, you're 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 like legitimately gonna make me watch it. In like, I'm talking in the next. It's week. mediocre, right? It's mediocre, but it's not shit. Okay, can I ask one more question about it specifically? I hear a huge chunk of it. He's de-aged. How is the de-aging in that film? Is it distracting? It's uh, well, I mean, to me, de-aging kind of always is, but it's definitely not the most egregious. Like, it looks pretty good, and that's the other thing. I don't feel like Indiana Jones. I don't feel like Ford as Indy is very facially emotive. So you know how de-aging looks the best when they're not really moving or, or emoting. I feel like that kind of went fine with Indy. Like he's not, he's not making all these fucking, he's not Jim Carrey making these facial expressions. You know what I mean? Like, 
Just like the mask. We could have Indiana Jones put on the mask. <laughs> there, we come full circle this podcast. So, so co-stars Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who wrote Fleabag, which is also another great series. That's kind of old, but still pretty good. Um, I think she's she's good in it. Uh, she's play, she's an interesting character. She's like the daughter of one of Indy's colleagues that he hasn't seen in years or whatever. But no, I don't know. It's it's like it's if you're a fan of Indiana Jones, it's definitely worth a watch, and it's worth more of a watch than Crystal Skull was. I liked your review. Like the the highlight of it would be mediocre, but it's not shit. That, <laughs> hey, that's twenty twenty three, baby. My, <laughs> my takeaway. <laughs> Yeah, 2023 in film and TV. That's a pretty accurate fucking description. I just, I just can't. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm putting too, too. Maybe I'm emphasizing this too much. But like for me, it was a really great experience watching all five of them. Because like when you get by the time you get to Crystal Skull, it completely at the time that I first watched it, I had no idea. Uh, like you know, Shia LaBeouf is his kid, right? But it's Marion's kid from the first movie right like right. that was just lost on me and then getting watching her in the very first movie and then by the time you get to crystal skull you're like holy shit I'm, I'm finally putting that together which wasn't a mystery but i just was unaware of putting it together right so i think that helped i think that helped me a lot enjoying the whole franchise yeah it's interesting because um just that you brought up how you really like temple of doom because uh kihei kwan uh short round who recently won an Oscar last year and like his career's going way up. He wants to play him again with or without Indy. And no I think that would be pretty cool. Uh, could you imagine the two of them as adults together? That would be cool. Yeah. You know, what's funny though, him is <laughs> I feel like, you know, even the, the kind of boom in the roles he's gotten now, he's basically still playing the same character because he was yes. in Loki season two um, he was a great part of season two for Loki. And I will say as, as far as, um, poor Disney goes, season two of Loki was very good. It was very good. I've heard this. If I've you're a fan a of season one, you'll really like season two. And I think they really did the character of Loki some solid justice. Like it was, it was a, like easily the standout from Disney material in 2023. Like, obviously that's a low bar as we've kind of said, but it was very good. It, it was very enjoyable. But like Loki is a big character, even throughout the entire MCU. And if they're actually doing him justice and he's still kicking ass, Tom Hiddleston, that's pretty cool. That might make me get into the show. I Oh, yeah. I think if, if you if you like Tom Hiddleston's Loki at all, you will like you'll like the series for sure. And and it's just right now it's just two, two, six, six episode seasons, right? Okay. Okay, I'll give that a check. This is good stuff. I did want to bring three movies that do excite me for 2024. Um, I'll just rattle them off. The movie I'm most excited for is Deadpool 3. Second movie I'm most excited for is Joker Folia Doe, or Duh, because uh, I really like that the idea of Lady Gaga as um, Harley Quinn. Because, like, don't get me wrong, I like Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn a lot, but I really have liked the few roles I've seen Lady Gaga do in film. Um, And then lastly, because it stars Denzel Washington, Gladiator 2, that's intriguing for me as well. So th those three have me excited for 2024. I just want to throw that out there. I mean, it's, it, it is interesting that <laughs> all of those are sequels, right? Like... Yes, I that's noticed just, that. That's just Hollywood, I think. 
now, right? I mean, and it has been forever, but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, Deadpool 3 is going to be fucking hype, dude. Like, how can you not be fucking hard as hell to see Hugh Jackman in the yellow spandex Wolverine? Like, oh my God, man. (laughs) Holy fuck. We never thought we would get that. He said no for so so long. Well, that and actually an R-rated like Marvel Cinematic Universe film too. Like, there's just a lot that riding on the shoulders of this movie <laughs> and it's all built off the success of logan in a lot of ways like to be oh, able yeah. to even do a film like that yeah. uh, it's just awesome it's cool to see him going back some of the set like having seen some of the set photos i'm just like yeah this is great and it's kind of perfect for his build too because it can kind of hide his age a little bit just give him beefy in the spandex you know he doesn't have <laughs> to be like shredded right like no, he can no. kind of hide that he's 50 he doesn't have to be days of future past I saw a picture of him working out like two weeks ago, though. Like you want to talk old man strength, like classic tight muscles from head to toe. That's Hugh Jackman right now. You know, he doesn't have the girth that he used to, but like, man, he is cut. Yeah, he's getting his trend bologna and chicken sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I heard he's actually, I heard there are actually... I don't know if it's like for sure or if it's just a rumor, but I heard they might bring Hugh Jackman's Wolverine into another property outside of Deadpool. I hope it's going into the Marvels. <laughs> Isn't that already released and terrible? <laughs> It'll be a Snyder cut, the Marvel Snyder cut. <laughs> oh. Oh, I, I, I am really interested in seeing the Marvels. I just cannot believe that it is terrible as people are saying it is. I just, I just really need to just watch it and judge it myself. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I really want to watch it. I expect it'll be on Disney Plus very quickly. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine it's lost some, some, some dough for sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting to see how things have changed. Um, did you guys ever see Guardians Three? Volume Three yes. was great. I really liked Volume Three. Yeah, I. Um, what was the one animal's name? Was it Floor? or something yeah floor the rabbit or whatever the spider rabbit that, yeah like, playing on the floor yeah <laughs> oh yeah that rabbit was great oh man yeah i you know it's all those animals. my wife my wife cried so much watching because she loves animals so much and that film is so horrible <laughs> to it does. That film totally pulls at the heartstrings for those animals oh. i had a baby rabbit when i was a kid well i mean it grew up too but it was like poor buddy oh. like all the animals are cute <laughs> like i'm a walrus yeah <laughs> what's interesting about that is like the thing's like three hours long but it has to be so rocket raccoon can actually be in it you know like they have to have an extra hour so rocket raccoon can get to do stuff like <laughs> yeah and it didn't i don't think it yeah. suffered for it i was engaged the whole way through and i think the uh the evolutionary whatever the fuck his name is like is a cool villain and it was really awesome seeing how badly rocket fucked him up during his escape right at the very end you his oh, mask yeah. pulls off and he's just like yeah. disgust oh that was so cool yeah i really yeah. like volume three i think volume three is close to or my favorite of the guardians films yeah for sure hey, for me it goes one three two but three and one are kind of like one a one b at this point yeah yeah uh, and i haven't given two another chance in a long time so i should probably do that 
Yeah. But yeah, that was that was actually probably one of my highlights of 2023 was seeing Guardians in theaters. That was really good. That was right before my son was born. So it was like the last like stress free theater experience <laughs> <laughs> for the next 18 years. Now when you now when you take the kid to see Saw X, he just cries through the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I watched John Wick four when he was like two weeks old, and but he just slept through it, so, <laughs> so it worked out okay. But he keeps like making like a finger like gun at me every time I see him now. So <laughs> he's, he's he's learning gung fu. <laughs> His first words will be, yeah. "I know gung fu." <laughs> So I had like I had a few things that disappointed me. I didn't really like Creed three all that much. Um, that was kind of a disappointment. But the one that it's kind of a weird one because so I saw I don't know Moby. Did you ever see the Last of Us TV series? No, because I never played the game, so there's not much of a pull. You'd probably like the series better having not played the game because I, I didn't really. I so I I have issues with the adaption. So the first half of the adaption I thought was very good. Uh, because they took some liberties and they expanded some stories, they changed it a bit, but in, in a way that I don't, I think was still keeping the same tone of the games, and it was interesting. There was stuff that you know I, you could argue with, but it was it was I thought for most for the most part very well done. But then the last half, especially the last like two or three episodes, they rush it so bad. Like the last episode, which is probably the most important narratively, obviously it's like the climax, is the shortest episode. So. They basically just go a one for one retelling of the game, but worse, because obviously, like, you're not going to top the source material. You're just going to be like, you know, making doing your own spin on it. But they didn't do that. Like, they didn't really add anything. They didn't add some character moments. They didn't like stay, you know, with it. And like, really, that should have been the episode of all the fucking episodes. That should have been, you know, an hour and 15 minutes long or whatever. But that was the shortest. So I just I felt disappointed because it felt like they put this huge budget into the first half of the series to make these super long episodes that were great. And then they went like, well, we're out of money, <laughs> so no more uh, zombies uh, or no more infected. And, uh, you know, very little is happening in the last couple episodes, um, you know, in terms of like of adding stuff. So I. I don't know. Did, did you end up seeing it, Leland? Did you see? No, I haven't yet. The series? Yet. Okay. Um, well, then I'm just going to talk into the void at listener here. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, you can take my word for it, listener. It's a little disappointing as a huge fan of the series. Uh, I'm really hoping the second season is great because uh, The Last of Us Part Two is one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, what? The remake. The remake remaster is coming out soon <laughs> <laughs> for a game that just fucking came out. So I'll, hmm. I'll be buying that since it's only $10 for the if you already own it. So not too bad. Hmm. That actually isn't that bad. That's that's pretty. No, cool. no. To get a, you know, a, a remake remaster of a game that still looks perfectly fucking fine. So is that is that an upgrade from PS4 to PS5? Essentially, is that what it is? Just a generational upgrade? Uh, they added uh, a. Uh, the the new thing for all games now seems to be a roguelite mode <laughs> so they added oh. that um they also added a uh, like three levels that were cut in dev to like play so they're not fully done but these are like lost levels so that's okay. interesting hmm. uh and then they added obviously like just the graphical updates and all the ps5 bells and whistles maybe i'll finally pick it up and actually play it because i have yet to play you should. too it's phenomenal 
in my opinion. I think there there's it falls firmly into two camps: people who fucking hate it and people who fucking love it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, and and honestly, when it comes to thing like art, like isn't that the best? When it just takes a fucking stand and says, "This is what I, I am," and whether or not you like it, irregardless, this is what I wanted to make, and it. I love it when it's like that. So, you know, ex- except for when it sucks and I didn't like it, then then they shouldn't. <laughs> then they can go, then the creators me, but... can go fuck themselves. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so, yeah, that was kind of the, the disappointment for me of 2023. Mm. But that's all I think all I got, honestly, that I, I, you know, I think it's it's two in the morning now. So it's probably time to move on to <laughs> games. Yeah, because that that like this is the meat what we want, boys, because if 2023 sucked for movies, I think it was a pretty decent year for games, at least as far as I'm concerned. 2023 might be the best year for games ever. I th- I think it's it has a legitimate argument to be up there with what I think of as the best years. Like 2001, 2007 uh, are the ones that always come to mind for me. You know, like 2001, it might be unbeatable just because I think that was Metal Gear Solid 2 and Grand Theft Auto 3. And like basically PS2 (laughs) hitting its fucking stride. Like that might be impossible to beat, you know, generational games. But when you think about 2023, I remember it started with Dead Space remake. Remake. And that was so good. Awesome. It was great. I was like, I don't think anything can top this for me. Like this was phenomenal. It was good. And everything last words. You know, I played so. So I, I wrote down my faves. And honestly, like there's so many and and in most years you'd be lucky to get one one where you're like that was the game but this year alan wake 2 baldur's gate 3 re4 make zelda tears of the kingdom i just started super mario wonder which is great so far but i I, you know i can't you know speak to it yet and uh, even like cyberpunk phantom liberty the expansion which they somehow turned cyberpunk around and made it a viable game again which i don't even (laughs) Like the, impressive enough, they did that, and then I never, I haven't played Spider Man two yet, but I've heard great things, you know. But but even out of the first four I said there, like those could all you could all make arguments that those are ten out of ten games. And in how many years do you have a game where you're like, this is like a masterpiece? And there was at least four of them <laughs> in yeah, a fucking year. You know, I'll I'll wanna I'll like you know say yeah, Marty, I'm in, but I'll raise your bet, and by saying. Some of those games that you mentioned, and one of them that you have not, uh, could be genre like defining games like legacy. I think you did mention generational games that could change the video game industry. You know, Baldur's Gate 3 is a great example because I do want to dive into that at some point because it reminded everyone, much to the chagrin of some video game producers. Who said, oh, don't raise expectations. It reminded people of what they actually want out of a AAA game, which is a complete polished experience that is not filled with DLC and other bullshit and early access. I think maybe it wasn't early access forever, but like once it was finally released, it was complete. And and I mean, the other one that I want to bring up, I mean, Dave the Diver. <laughs> I know, I know. I knew you were say but it's that. like it's one of my like it's probably (laughs) one of my top five or ten pc games of all time i love the fuck it here's here's the thing moby you're not wrong about david diver it's apparently great and i've only played about an hour of it so i can't comment and be like oh this was you know phenomenal but i get it already playing it i'm like i can see why this is a moby game (laughs) 
like for yes. sure yes. this mm-hmm. is th- this is hitting the hitting all the things right it's checking all off movies. all the boxes and you're right like that's just another and there's a whole bunch you know that just fall into the category in my opinion of like great you know like, yes there's great. there's so many other great games it's not just like oh there was four really good ones it was like no there was four like bangers and then like maybe 20 like games that you're like i don't have fucking time to play all these games it was just In different so genres many. Action, RPG, indie farming. Um, yes. I mean, Everywhere. remakes. Yeah. Everything hit. Everything seemed to hit. I do. I honestly, I'm looking at like 2024 and going, okay, I, I can't keep up. There's no way. <laughs> like, there's just no way. You know, even I know it's a shorter game and like kind of kiddish, but I never thought I would like Super Mario RPG make as much as I did. For me to complete an RPG in less than 24 hours is insane. <laughs> yeah. That's yes, crazy. I know. Even on the easiest. I, I know it's easy mode. But 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 <laughs> I mean that that last Final Fantasy boss, actually all the bosses at, after the post end game content, even on Gugu Baby mode are super hard. I still haven't beaten the final the secret Final Fantasy boss's second form where he comes back in like full 3D. He's so fucking hard. I don't know if I can beat him. But I mean, like, it just... And Marty, I think you'll agree, like 2023 in a way just reinvigorated the joy of video games for me. Just like, I love this. I'm going to play one more turn, which means actually three more hours until about 2 (laughs) a.m. on a working night. And that is something I repeated so many times over the years. So for myself... I agree entirely. And two in particular did that. I Well, Tears in the Kingdom is close be, just because uh, it was kind of kept me sane in all those sleepless nights right after my son was born. Um, but it's also a huge game. And it's just one of those ones that I'm like, man, I don't know if I have 200 hours in me. <laughs> like, it's hard. It's hard to put that time in because I'm 100 hours into that game and I'm halfway done because I just take things so bloody slow. but. I agree. There's there's that. But, you know, that definitely feels like Breath of the Wild part two, you know, to be fair. But for me, Baldur's Gate and then Alan Wake 2 are so different, but in both in the same way that I love games, like it hits that thing, you know, like I could talk about Alan Wake 2 until, uh, you know, the 2 a.m. deadline we have. But uh, uh, Baldur's Gate, like ha- ha- us all having played Baldur's Gate, I think we can all agree, yeah. like, that's not a thing you see these no. days. And for that, for the amount of work they've put in, even since release to get better. So like when I finished it, I, I finished in early September, like it's changed so much since even then. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. especially in terms of like end game content and like they changed, like they added more to the story. They, they listened to the community. They went, hey, you didn't like this? We'll add it. You know how much fucking money that must cost? Yeah. <laughs> like they're like, hey, let's let's stick our two thousand people who work on this fucking game back to work. <laughs> well, I mean the 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 finest the finest point on that is when uh, what the hell is that cat's name in Act Two at the the light in? There's a cat like oh, Mister yeah. Mister Champagne's worth or something. Like there was a there was something went wrong where there was like a glitch where he was supposed to have hair. On the original rollout, he was hairless. They fixed it 
gave him hair. People bitch that they liked the hairless cat later. On a subsequent <laughs> patch, they removed the hair for the cat because people That's wanted awesome. the hairless cat. Like, <laughs> like it's ridiculous. <laughs> that game it's, is just... It's amazing. I didn't even... I You know what? Like, playing the game was fun, but I didn't want to do the traditional D&D stuff. I wanted to go to the camp and try to have sex. <laughs> well, we sick. all did, okay? We all, we all, did. We all went to Shadowheart. We all knocked at that door. <laughs> yeah, everyone did knock at Shadowheart. I remember telling this one guy at work that played it. He's like, so which are you going for? Like, who are you trying to bang? And I'm like, Shadowheart. He's like, oh, just like everybody else. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, Wither- Withers was not available. I tried. <laughs> yeah, you basic bitch Shadowheart chaser. <laughs> but... Marty, you're so right. And that like parts of that game, the mistakes they made just make it better. Like how uh what's his name? Because it's been a while. The 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 sorcerer guy, Gwen or something. Gail. 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 How like he's accidentally super horny and they tried to patch that out. And that was another case where everyone's like, no, you <laughs> want Gail to be like constantly trying to bang you. Oh. It's, it's so a funny thing to think fun. about, like, how could you release a game and, like, that's the thing you forgot? Like, we forgot to turn off Gail's horniness. <laughs> like, yeah. that I have so many questions. It is funny. About that it is funny. I mean, it's like, I, I think it's funny, though, because, like, because of Larian's, uh, you know, responses with the community and their continued work on it, it's... I mean, we just, I mean, we pretty much have just done it. It's ridiculously easy to forget the, the missteps that BG three had at launch. I mean, at launch for a large amount of people, act three was nearly unplayable, if not unplayable because of how, how unoptimized it was. Yes. So that was, I mean, that was addressed by Larry and right again. And since patch five, which came out a week and a half ago at the time of recording or a week ago, like there's an entire epilogue you get like a six months later epilogue that you can experience for, for your, for the people you had at your camp. Right. Which is phenomenal. Cause that was the biggest weak point in the game. What Ellie having played through a good playthrough, the ending was weak because you didn't get that payoff that you wanted in regards to the characters, because that's the best part of the game. You know, like that's that's the thing that makes it makes people stick. You know, it's the same thing as like a Mass Effect. It's like, okay, I want to see what happens to these characters because I've spent 100 hours with them, you know, or 200 hours with them or whatever. And it's so important to see that resolution to your story. Like I'm planning to go through and beat it again just at the last boss to see that resolution because I never got to enjoy that. See, I I want to for my my first run through was an evil dark urge and yes that last fight with my that party composition was fucking hard and that was on regular mode that wasn't tactician i pulled my hair out finishing that move that that end fight there's no fucking way i want to do that again just to find the epilogue for what i'm assuming is probably non-existent for the way my run turned that run turned out uh because when you're an evil dirge you make some choices where essentially it's you on top of the mountain and everyone's subs, you know, subservient below you. Like, I don't know. It's cool that I get to go and like, I could go and see if there is something, you know what I mean? It's pretty, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, and, and I think our conversation we're having now sums up the year because we've just spent about 10, maybe close to 15 minutes talking about, you know, BG three, 
we could have just repeated the same thing talking about RE4 make, uh, which is going to be my number one priority when I get my computer well, back in a minute. Some week. of us could. Two thirds of us could. <laughs> Apparently, you know, hey, one third I, of us I'm, hates I'm it. pretty far into that game. <laughs> I, I met I met little Napoleon and, and stuff like that. And Marty and I, Ghost Marty and I have a deal. He will play Dave the Diver, you know, give it a big shot by yeah. complete RE4 make. I'll so, do it. I will. But, you know, my point is, and I'm sure I would have loved Dead Space as well. You guys have got me on it. Even, Leland, you mentioned Mass Effect. Yeah, I know it's old. Well, Legendary Edition's been out a year. But one of my highlights of this past year was Mass Effect 2, the very game I was playing when my computer seemingly broke. I love that. It's just, you know, there's a feeling. It's like when you're playing a video game you like and you save it because you finally have to go to bed. But there's this really pleasant feeling knowing you can boot that game up whenever you have time the next day. And like you look forward to doing that. It's like the highlight of your next day's calendar is turning back on that game. And this year I had like five of those games for me. A bunch I haven't even mentioned yet and might not. But that's how good of a year it was for video games. I constantly had a game that I had that feeling for. Even today, even right now with the uh, Oceana expansion for Wingspan. I told you guys offline, you know, I've played the living shit out of that since it was released like a day or two ago. And it's just like just a lot of joy in video games this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I know, Marty, you you put BG3 and Alan Wake like essentially side by side. And I I 100 percent agree because like you like we both loved the first Alan Wake and it took, I don't know, I don't know, like, the, for me, when I look, when I, uh, you know, assess a game like Alan Wake 2, the amount of foresight it would it takes Remedy Studios to put into, you know, the, the amount of foresight they'd have to have to get the payoff of Alan Wake 2 is, like, nearly mind-boggling. Like, you can, you can find the plot of Alan Wake 2 on whiteboards in-game, contro in Control, right? In, like, Control you find, DLC. You can find stuff from it in their game before Control. Right, in Quantum Break. It's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't even have the rights to Quantum Break anymore, which is why they... So, like, they're, they're giving us analogs for those characters that yes. still exist now in their Remedyverse. It's just, it's, it, I don't know. It's like almost inexpressible how like mind boggling it is. So Moby, there's, um, there's a, there's two games that Remedy doesn't own the rights to anymore. There's Max Payne and Quantum Break and Microsoft owns one. They own Quantum Break and then uh, Rockstar Games owns Max Payne. So what Remedy did is they bought back the rights to Alan Wake um, somewhere during the development of Control, I think near the end. So they bought back the rights so then they could release a remaster and then work on the next game. But during this process, they've always wanted to make Alan Wake 2. They just haven't been get, ever given the green light, basically. So they've been putting in shit for Alan Wake 2 into their games for like eight years. Oh, that's cool. Like breadcrumbing. Breadcrumbs, yeah. And then... With Control, they found the game to, aha, we know how to con connect all of our games. There's a organization, like it's basically like the FBI, but for supernatural entities, and the Federal Bureau of Control. So it's all, it's a, it's a set, 
own game, but it allows for this understanding that there's like multiple worlds, multiple like items that can basically like create like, you know, paranormal things. And there's a, a a motel that connects all of them essentially. And like the federal Bureau of control has access to this motel and that motel makes an appearance in uh, Alan Wake too, as well in its own way. But what's really interesting is like Leon was saying, like they've been connecting these things for years and because they don't own the rights to some of them, they found their own sneaky way of putting these characters into the remedy verse and like in a very like, uh, you know, wink and nod kind of way. But it's so obvious that like in in uh, Alan Wake 2, there's Mr. Door. But then in um, fuck Quantum Break, there's another character that's basically the same guy. But that I forget what they called him. It was like Mr. Window. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was something like Leland can look it up. <laughs> and uh, even like the main actor from Quantum Break, they didn't put his character in Alan Wake 2. But the but the guy who plays him is in Alan Wake 2. And it's actually Iceman from the uh, original X-Men yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah. Oh, him in Quantum Break. The character is called Martin Hatch. Oh yeah, Martin Hatch. So then they turned him into Mart- Mr. In Door. War- in wa- to to Warlindor. Warlindor, yeah. 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 <laughs> Warlindor. And like that sheriff, his name in Alan Wake 2 is Tim Breaker. A lot of people think it like Quantum Break, uh Time Breaker, like Yeah. Yeah, it just plays into like the, what the character is and I mean, I, I so speaking of additional support, but Alan Wake 2 just recently got a new game plus mode that comes out which when you play new game plus it changes aspects of the playthrough. So it's not just you're playing the game again with your, all the items you collected the first time, but there are changes which uh, make sense with the story of the game. So if you're familiar with that, not to spoil that really, but like it makes complete sense that things would be different and that you would pick up on the changes. It's, it's really interesting. Mm. I've yet to play new game plus I've, but again, as of recording it, it came out like four days ago as of recording this episode. So, so my plan over the Christmas break, I got a buddy staying over for the holidays and we're going to play through Alan Wake too, because he's, he got through a chunk of it, but didn't get time to finish it. So I'm just going to be like, Hey, you're sitting down and playing it. Yeah, that's good. Are, are you going to go start to finish with him or like, I think so. Yeah. It's not like an overly long game, especially now that I kind of know where to go and do things, you know, like I got all this stuff and took my time. Um, it's probably like a 15 hour game. If you, if you spam through it, uh, well, less maybe even, <laughs> um, but there's so much like reading and just uh, like listening to things and a lot of music and it, it, there's so much. That, and it's the thing about it is that in most games you'd be like, okay, this is enough. I don't want to listen to this again. But in this game, it's so well done that you'd be remiss to to skip anything. Honestly, like like there's stuff that I I have, you know, I could nitpick, but for the most part, like every every song choice in the game, it was I mean every almost every song in the game was made for the game. Sam Lake went, he took his poetry based on the Alan Wake franchise and the general plot line gave it to a bunch of musicians and said, write a song for this chapter, write a song for this chapter. Essentially write the game an album. Yes. I don't care what genre it is, write something. And they're all good. (laughs) And then in combination with that, they have, uh, you know, uh, old guards of Asgard, old gods of Asgard, which is uh, poets of the fall of a Finnish band that's in most of their games now that 
has like four or five songs in the game. And again, they're all awesome and they all fit the game. They're all telling a story from the game. It's just it's it's kind of a fucking miracle that it actually came together. Like looking at the original coming out, I think in what, 2010 and, you know, for for as long as it's been, you know, and I just played the original. It's great. But it doesn't hold a candle to what they've built in number two to like how much has gone into this. It's 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 kind of wild, Moby. Um, you know, I really recommend if you can find the time to play the original and just be kind of you, you probably still like it. I think it still holds up as a game. The gameplay is a bit dated, but um, narratively, it's a very interesting game. Uh, and at the time it came out, it was phenomenal. And then to go from that, I don't think you have to play control, although it is helpful to play control uh you could probably watch a youtube video on it and then play alan wake 2 and i think because it's both a survival horror game and it kind of plays with that a bit but at times it's very much that and it's just a very amazing piece of art Uh, and as a game it's like this is the most game game a game could be because nothing else can do what it does you know that's the only medium where you can do that you can't you can't have that in any other media this is just that's video games and i think that's what makes it so amazing and in that same vein that's exactly what Baldur's gate is but on the other end of the spectrum so like it's just it's awesome like those are definitely like just amazing highlights for me this year correct me if i'm wrong marty you know i actually like deadly premonition did you not tell me alan week is kind of along that vibe i never played deadly premonition so i'm not sure uh, basically like a Twin Peak style, weird, supernatural FBI agent sort of thing going on. I don't know if that brings Yeah, Alan Wake has a lot of uh, Twin Peaks feeling to it. Um, it has a lot, especially the, the second one definitely, I'd say, has way more influences from many different genres. You can kind of tell some are very obvious, some are probably less so. Well, I think the the parallels for the two Alan Wake games are Twin Peaks and Twin Peaks: The Return, right? Like the ah. the twenty five years later of Twin Peaks we got. I think that's the parallel things kind of happened. Like this years later, like, you know, a decade plus later, we're finally seeing the the culmination of it. I mean, I, when you think of like the way it mirrors Twin Peaks, it's kind of nuts because like literally in Twin Peaks, the end of the Twin Peaks is like. See you in twenty five years, and then twenty five years later, we we get Twin Peaks. Yeah, they to return. do it. Like they actually do it. It's it's yeah, it's kind of phenomenal. I mean, I would say like Alan Wake Two definitely leans way more into the side of being a work of art versus being a game. I think I have a lot of nitpicks about Alan Wake Two as uh, as the actual parts of the game. <laughs> I think what stands out for me is Alan Wake Two is is just the narrative and the aesthetic and. Um, the, the style of it, right? I just, I don't, I don't actually find much of the actual gameplay incredibly engaging, which is really funny to say, but despite that for me, the game is very engaging. I mean, the combat is still, it's nothing to write home about. It's pretty basic, uh, kind of just as basic as it was in the first game. And for me, I, I got accustomed to it. But man, do I, did I fucking hate using Saga's dream uh, mind palace in the very f- first couple hours of playing that game. I really did not like it. But I got accustomed to it. I got accustomed, nav- accustomed to navigating it and kind of like realizing that I don't have to spend all my time here. 
I, I got better at choosing the moments that I needed to be there to progress things. So I don't know. It's just funny. Like, I mean, even, uh, even with Baldur's Gate three, like there's a lot of things that piss me off about, about Baldur's Gate three. There's a lot of things to be nitpicky about across in both these games and in many of these games. I mean, to me, should a, should a remake of a game be put up in a list of best of the year? I mean, I, I realize in the when we're talking about specifically Resident Evil 4 remake, it really is a different game than the original, but it's still a remake. I mean, still the vast majority of it is something that we saw in 2005. Mm-hmm. Does that does that really deserve its place on a list in 2023 for the best game of the year? That's a great idea for a debate. I I almost wonder if we should like table that for another podcast episode. Because we usually summon Ghost Marty twice a year. I I mean, in short, I would say yes. I would say the remakes that I've played so far are authentically remakes. In that they're not just like updating the graphics and it's like step for step, scene for scene the same. And I would say that to most of the remakes that I played credit. Like... One of the best examples is Resident Evil 2 make, RE2 make, which I did play the fuck out of and beat multiple times like you guys did. Uh, But I still love the original RE2. I think that's probably the best thing I can say about a really good remake is it doesn't take away from the original. It enhances the overall story when you compare the two of them together. Makes a more complete story. I I agree. I think something like RE2 make it kind of has the benefit of that. The original was so dated comparatively that the remake is like almost a feels like we're almost in a completely different type of game in a way. Yes. You know, whereas RE4 is still RE4, but obviously there's vast improvements to modern technology that change that. And there's different choices. But at the end of the day, you're still playing Resident Evil 4. Yeah, I mean, this is why it's not my game of the year plain and simple it's like if this was if now if re4 the original never existed and then the new one came out would i would i feel that that way still i i I still think it wouldn't be my game of the year and the reason being is that it's in some ways the only reason i think re4 make is so so good is because the original exists so you like you play it and you're like wow like this gets it this understands like it's it's does so many perfect nods to the original without being annoying and it's somehow like just it treads that line so well and it makes it unique and just enough to just keep you going i mean i loved it i got the platinum trophy like i played the shit out of it but at the same time like you know like leland said alan wake 2 like as just an art piece of art like probably untouchable this year and then even despite any issues you might have with Baldur's Gate 3 like that's the game of the year I'm sorry if you're saying otherwise you're wrong <laughs> like that's just <laughs> it, it it does feel like ob- yeah like objectively Baldur's Gate 3 is the best game put out in 2023 there's just <laughs> just so much fucking work went into this right like its bounds are so like near literally near limitless right i don't know it's just so hard to but i think what what i think a point i was trying i'm going to circle back to when we were talking about larian's response and their changes the community-based changes i think that 
now has to factor in to an assessment of a game. Yes. I just don't think I just don't think they can be separated. Like when you think of Starfield to talk about Starfield, when you think about Bethesda, people from Bethesda responding to Steam reviews, telling the, the reviewers that their opinions are incorrect because if you were to get on a rocket ship and go to the moon, it's still really adv- adventurous, even though there's nothing on the moon. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's but ridiculous. when you get on a rocket ship and go to the moon in real life, there's no loading screen. So. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could actually fly my ship up out of the atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I guess, um, you know, I don't want to push this too, too far, but we do need to, as, as we say, keep track of that 2 a.m. deadline. But I mean, one point that I do have is the best thing I can say about 2023 is the thing I most look forward to about 2024 in gaming is actually catch up with the amazing games from 2023, such as, you know, Tears of the Kingdom, which I barely touched, such as finishing RE4 make and maybe giving it a second run. You know, even Lee, I bought you guys a few games this year. One of them we haven't even played yet an indie game. Um, Leland's been into a new kind of Valheim style game. I'm kind of interested in seeing if T. Ed can put together another persistent server. So we're playing 24 seven. Well, I, I mean, Icarus is from 2021, but yeah, they're in the case of Icarus, they're still releasing updated content for, right? I mean, for me, God of War Ragnarok falls into a 2023 category because I mean, I didn't play it until like January of 2023, even though it came out in November of 2022. So like that is also in the, like this franchise that I fucking adore is still in my mind in the running for 2023. And Ragnarok, unfortunately, like doesn't even make the short list, you know, like the top three to four, like Ragnarok still just outside of those like that. Personally, to me, like realizing that that's the assessment I'm coming to personally speaks volumes for myself as far as the quality of many of the titles from this year. And my last thing for this year is I do just want to touch on Spider-Man 2. Now, Spider-Man 2 is very good. I I really liked it. It It just cannot stand up to the heavy hitters that we've been talking about for the last hour. It just can't. And it never would. But it's still worth mentioning this year because it's it's just as solid as Spider Man from twenty seven or what twenty nineteen sorry that came out I believe tw- Spider Man came it's just there's just more of it and it's just like oh man every 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 additional thing they made in it was just like Chef's kiss it was just made so much sense the story's great I mean you get the you're getting symbiote Peter uh, Spider Man two is definitely worth playing but it just if it came on any other year, it might be higher. You know, it would, you would, it would rocket up the ranks, but just not this year. Just not this year. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, and again, I think that says just a lot about how good of a year it was. I, I mean, it, it just, it really was fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, great, you know, good job, 2023. The only new game I knew, quote, quote unquote, new game I have circled for, 2024 is stardew valley 1.6 which i've already <laughs> poured an obscene amount and it's hard i love that game and then you know you've got barone over there concerned ape saying i love how people still play my game lots of new people are buying it i have all the stats 
and he feels compelled to add a ton of new content. And I mean, this listener, I'm really speaking to you here. If you like Stardew Valley, if you haven't played Stardew Valley, if you haven't done a run through in two or three years, once 1.6 releases and you're playing the content from like 1.5 and 1.6, 1.5 was huge. Yeah, so it's like, it was. yeah, it's definitely worth another run through. I'm just waiting for Factorio 2.0 in 2024. So, bye bye Leland. Wow. <laughs> bye oh, bye. Oh man, podcast. once that comes out, I think it's, I think 2.0. I'm not exactly sure on the rollout. I'm a little unclear. There's some DLC that they're putting out for it in addition to a 2.0 update. So I something in there is free. I think the update and maybe one of the DLCs is free. I'm not entirely sure, but it's apparently coming very soon. So. I've been like really Jones in first and Factorio and I just have to wait for that update because I don't want to put a bunch of time and then kind of burn myself out like often happens with Factorio. And then the update comes and then like I don't get to it for another six months, you know, so just kind of waiting. Please tell Emma that when automation is failing after 14 hours of trying and you're ready to kill anyone who comes within <laughs> 10 feet of you, just like tell her to expect that in advance. <laughs> hey. My automation never fails. <laughs> Factory <Okay>. must grow. <laughs> I just imagine you having like 16 train tracks side by side and each has different switches and is going in different directions. <laughs> and I get run over of crossing every single one of them. <laughs> uh, that's that's going to be awesome. Okay, well, let, let's let's shift gears here. Let's shift gears here a little bit. And and I think some of the things we've, we've been talking about, especially the movie stuff, is I mean, obviously we don't get together to play board games all that much. Now I personally have played quite a bit since Emma has moved in having, you know, a partner that also enjoys those games readily available to play them. So I played a whack load, nothing really new, but a lot of, a lot of favorites uh, that Emma and I share. I played a ton. Um, but kind of one thing I wanted to, to touch on is uh, some Hasbro layoffs ah. earlier this year. They laid off about 800 or so employees Again, like just a few days ago, as of recording this, they laid off another 1,100. Wow. I've seen uh, quite a number of people, well, a few people speaking about kind of the correlation between Hasbro's toy sales and the, the film industry. In particular, Disney films, as Hasbro, you know, they make toys for the, the Disney products, right? I think a lot of kind of the, the, the losses they're seeing in that specific sector very easily could tie into, you know, the, the downgrade or, or downfall of some of the, some of these Disney titles in, in particular, obviously the Watt Seaside Wizards of the Coast owned by Hasbro continues to make money and continues to be profitable. And by all, by, by what it looks like continues to prop up. Hasbro in a lot of areas. It just, uh, yeah, it's just, I saw, um, I think it was a, it was some article or something there where they were talking to uh, Sven, uh, you know, from Larian Studios. And he was, he had mentioned that basically everybody that he had anything to do with, with making Baldur's Gate 3 is just no longer there. Ah, uh, wow. I saw, I saw that interview. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, I mean, it's corporate, it's a corporation. Like Hasbro is a huge corporation layoffs happen, but like when their CEO is, you know, reportedly took home $10 million in 2023, uh, you know, after salary and bonuses, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of 
it's very, I mean, I think seeing layoffs of that degree seems very surprising based off of Wizards of the Coast's success, especially kind of think about the growth of Dungeons and Dragons, um, particularly this year. And obviously Magic the Gathering just continues to make millions and millions pressing into the billions of, of dollars. Yeah, I I think, yeah, I think that's a good point that you bring up, Leland. I mean, obviously the layoffs have hit, you know, the video game world as well. You could almost, you could almost make an argument that in the entertainment industry, 2023, unfortunately, was the year of layoffs. It just seemed like people were getting laid, laid off everywhere. Um, I heard some weird things about that. You know, I've heard specifically for video games and board games, um, that type of media, when someone becomes a manager, they quickly have to hire people underneath them. So people were being hired with very little to do just to pump up the numbers of, of a certain manager. And then it became hmm. known later. It's like, well, that person isn't actually doing much work. Um, you know, they're, and I've heard, I've read other cases of like people that have so little work in different tech jobs that they're working like three jobs at once from home just because they can. So, you know, so I've heard that as well. It's tough because board games for me, just speaking personally, most of the time I play them is with you guys. I mean, it's the truth. And Leland, usually you've been the ringleader of that. I mean, I look at the new board games I played this year. There was Spartacus and there was Stardew Valley. Of course, Stardew Valley I own, but I played it with you to review for the podcast. And Spartacus was at when T-Hud was hanging out. Yeah, it's hard for me to tell what the general trends of the industry are, but 2023 is definitely a down year for me in in board games. In a way, the the other note that I have here is like, I played the fuck out of like Wingspan and of course, which I, you know, keep mentioning and um, Stockpiles and Splendor. So like as far as like video game board games, I think 2023 is the most I've ever played. But that's all against like computers and just like practice, <laughs> right? Digital, digital implementations, digital, digital in- implementation. I do think I was taught by my coworkers at work how to play Ticket to Ride in like January or February of this past year, um, and that was a lot of fun. But I-, I do miss board games with both you guys, and I think that's why listener. Um, you know, off topic, but like before we were doing the podcast, I was proposing that, uh, Tia does more board games because yeah, I miss doing it. Well, I'm just waiting for the invite Leland. Uh, I can come <laughs> over anytime. I know you don't have a ceiling anymore, but that's, you true. know, <laughs> you know, uh, we one. just, I want to get a game of heroes game some yes. in the first oh, like month or two of 2024, once we're out past Christmas. Yeah, we gotta we gotta get something going. We gotta get something going, and and, and like that's the thing. That's the also the other, talking about how aged we are now. I mean, that's the other thing about it is like you have to you have to put in the extra effort to make those kind of things happen, right? That is true. Otherwise, like look at I mean, look at how incredibly easy that that just never happens. I mean, when when was the last time the three of us went and saw a movie? What movie did the three of us see together oh, last in the theaters? Pre pre COVID, maybe. Yeah, that's no, ridiculous. we must have seen one after Grindhouse. Maybe was it 2007? <laughs> 2007. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so much fun. I still remember that theater night, just how hard we were laughing, howling at Planet Terror. It was like one of the, that was like the funniest first time through a movie I've ever seen. 
But yeah, I mean, okay, but like when I mentioned Deadpool 3, like there's no reason the three of us can't see that. I yeah, mean, that's absolutely. right. Like that, that'd be perfect. Yeah. You know, and I think, uh, you know, even Joker, I know Leland hates Arthur Flex Joker, but uh, you know, I'd be down to see it if I, <laughs> I don't hate it. I just don't get it. I think is what it is. It's just like, I don't, <laughs> it feels unnecessary to me. And now that, you know what I mean? Like shocker. Yeah. Shocker. All you right. have is negative thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I should sympathize with them a little more. Shouldn't I? <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I hope to be revitalized a little bit. It, it, it's weird because from this discussion, this two hour discussion now, it's like, TV movies, eh, board games, eh, video games, fuck yeah, do, 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 party time. It's just weird how it was such a great year for one medium that we discuss on this show. And like nothing else. I mean, it, it, it's a standout year for one of those three. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know, just, I don't, I don't know that our experiences, obviously they don't immediately discount you know, how, how relative new releases, especially with board games were in 2023. I mean, really my, I, I've, I've never really kept up with the newest and the hottest in the board game sphere. Really. It's always, I've always been drawn to, uh, you know, the things that have been out for a number of years that are very, they're very like, you know, critically acclaimed for lack of a better term within the hobby. Um, that's also part of, how I've curated my collection. Right. So I, I don't know that my habits have changed, um, for the worst when it comes to board games and being and absorbing things in the hobby. It's just more that they've shifted again. I've, I've said this before, they've shifted more into the, the TTRPG scene. Right. I think still a sphere of, you know, it's one overlap of a Den Venn diagram of this hobby. Uh, but I'm just kind of, more I'm outside more of the middle than kind of shifted to, to the TTRBG side of it. Now I think that that just like the, the, the thing I engage most in when it comes to being at a, you know, table, whether that's a virtual table or not with other people and experiencing the game just is with TTRPGs. Now I don't, I mean, I, I would love to play some TTRPGs with, with you two. I mean, I have, I bought when I was at origins in June, I bought a blade runner, TTRPG and an aliens what? TTRPG. Like I bought them both. I bought these starter packs. Like we can crack them open and, and dive in. Right. Like the Blade Runner stuff has like physical, like really needs to be played at the physically at the table rather than like virtually like it has like, you know, crime scene handouts and like it, it seems really cool. And oh dude, I, I would be so into the Blade Runner there. Yeah. I mean, you're, you know me. You're preaching to the ultra converted when it comes to playing Blade <laughs> RPG. Yeah, we got it. We have to make it happen. That's we we have to kick our own asses to make it happen. And I think, as the most extroverted of us three, I probably have a role in saying, "Hey guys, come out of your basements and let's let's play in the next couple <laughs> weekends." So maybe I'll take that upon myself. But you're right. We've got a lot of stuff to do together. Is there a Stardew Valley tabletop RPG? Like where you can role play as like Gus and Haley. Is that a <laughs> That's a great question. And if there isn't concerned ape to get on that. <laughs> oh man. Haley's found a plus two hairbrush. Yes. Yes. 
She's so powerful. <laughs> She's been in the mines all day slaying oozes with it. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's hilarious. Shane is like powered by beer. Like he must have beer in order to survive. If he doesn't have a beer per session, he goes unconscious. He needs to be stabilized. <laughs> oh, don't get us don't get us started. And yeah, I mean, if we have a chance to do another fiasco at some point. Oh, that'd be du- fun. Duke Mobai has been sleeping for far too ah, long. Ah, fiasco is very good. <laughs> Those are the things you want to target, right? I mean, that's like the board game equivalent of a TTRPG. Just something you can totally. get through in a, in a few hours in one sitting. You know, it doesn't need to be prolonged. It's just something stupid and fun, and you can just laugh while you're while doing it. Like Those are perfect, perfect systems for that stuff. I should look into getting more of ones like that, that I don't, that don't need to be like a whole fucking production, you know, to, to actually arrange and play over a, a number of different meetups or whatever. Those are what we need to be targeting. I think that's the hardest thing these days is like investing into something long, right? It's like, if you can get something and do it in two to three hours, like awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you yeah. know, you know, for sure. It's like, you can get somebody invested for that amount of time. Yeah. Well, I know it's been super short on board games, but I figured it was going to be a pretty short part of our talk tonight. Anybody have anything else? I don't when it comes to board game. Not really. The the most I've played this year is with you guys um, at uh, Tea House back in, I guess it was April. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it was fun. I, I won a lot of those games because I just kind of snuck my way in there with some victories. So that felt good. You know what? I actually do have a note, Marty, that finally playing magic with you after all these years in April was a highlight, even if it was that one. Game. <laughs> I don't remember that. It, it was fun. <laughs> I, I'll t- I will tell you, I will tell you, you had fun. And I think my brother won. It's weird. My brother, he plays magic like once every five years, but he intuitively knows the game really well. Like he just got it the first time he ever played and every other time he can just pick it up and play it. You know, before we sign off, the one thing I wanted to say is, you know, just to be official with my game of the year, it's NBA hang time for the N64. (laughs) (laughs) That was so much fun. My only complaint is I don't understand the rules. What is is hang time? What is goal? I don't know. (laughs) You jump, you jump up and sometimes it's like an amazing save and sometimes you jump up and it's a penalty. (laughs) I have this dumb idea of getting a signed Dennis Rodman NBA trading card and like taping it to the back of my cartridge because Rodman is who I always play. So like literally having this like expensive piece of Rodman on the back of the cartridge for all time. What is wrong with you? (laughs) I like, I love that game and I'm so happy. Like I only came for like five years before you guys let me play it with you and I knew you'd love it. I knew you'd love it. And then I remember I went to take a shit in April and I come out of the washroom and they're like, out of all the games, you guys have hang time plugged into the N64. I'm like, yes, finally, my dreams are coming true. I just can't imagine explaining that to a girl you bring back to your apartment. Like, what's this? Oh, so I bought this trading card on eBay because I thought it was wacky to stick it on the back of this N64 card. (laughs) And I only play with my friend (laughs) once per year. And they'll just be like, well, why, 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 Matthew? I, I'm leaving. 
I'm leaving. If this is how you treat money. You're like, no, the door's <laughs> locked. You can't leave. <laughs> no. I learned this technique from my friend, Michael. You're locked in. <laughs> I'm not locked, locked in, in here with, you. with me. You're locked in here with me. <laughs> yeah. Then she just proceeds to stomp you at hang time. Like to the point where you were crying. Oh. She beats you so bad. <laughs> And then she quietly jumps out. The and then she window. takes the Rodman card and applies it to her copy of Hang Time. <laughs> and then you know you found your wife. <laughs> wow, this went in a different direction. Yeah, this is this that, is actually that, that really go in a, weird a really direction. sweet sounding love story. <laughs> <laughs> There's like, inst- like a Hang Time theme wedding. Dennis Rodman officiates because I spend yes. money on him. He's there in his wedding dress from like 1998. You get a me. video call with Kim Jong-il. <laughs> yeah, I get a discount from that. Supreme Leader can uh, wish you well. Yes, Matthew, have a nuclear fire of an exciting <laughs> wedding. Thank you. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, that's so bad. <laughs> I think All it's right. I think it's time for this random is, shows though. <laughs> this is this is becoming my kind of podcast. Here we go. <laughs> okay, Joe Rogan. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Uh, well, on that, I'm starting to feel hot, which means hell is getting close here. Oh goodness. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been two hours. It's almost past midnight. You can't put me on a podcast past midnight. That's that's right. We gotta send you back there to Enjoy Hellraiser, which I'm sure is playing on loop. <laughs> <laughs> so. I'll see you when I, I'll see you when you open the lament configuration or whatever that thing is called. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck that means, but it sounds fun. It's not. It's not good. <laughs> it's it's not, good. not good. <laughs> <laughs> not like this. Not like this. Okay, our end of show stuff. Our website is ttpodcast.com. The tod. Popcast on Facebook, TT Popcast on Instagram. I'm Leland underscore Steel on X slash Twitter. Well, I can't. Can I do my things? No. But I have a live journal account. But we I know they're Cenobite related now. We can't. <laughs> we, we can't in good faith let it's you go smarty at livejournal.com. <laughs> okay. Live journal. Livejournal.net. <laughs> Is that also your OnlyFans there, Go Smarty? There's I links. Okay. I have a link tree. He's got a link, yeah, yeah, put yeah, link, link tree. tree. They do have link trees in hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we have. They don't go anywhere. <laughs> they never end. They only go to other trees. <laughs> all right. Just come on. Send me to hell. I got uh, kids to put to sleep here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, with that, I guess I'll say take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye-bye. <laughs> Kalima going Kalima. back to the nether world. Kalima. Kalima. This has been a Sounds of Steel production.